Hare Krishna. So it's indeed a very great fortune for us to have Her Grace Urmila Mataji with us today to give the Srimad Bhagavatam class. Of course, most of us know Urmila Mataji, but just for some of us who are new, Urmila Mataji is very, very well known in ISKCON as a feature writer in the Back to Godhead magazine. She has written numerous articles so far. She joined ISKCON in the year 1973 and for the last 37 years has been dedicatedly serving Sila Prabhupada in the mission of uh, spreading Krishna consciousness. Mataji is actually very, very qualified. She has obtained a master's in school administration and she is also having a doctorate in education in educational leadership from the University of North Carolina. She is a member of the Shastrik Advisory Council to the Governing Body Commission. She has developed and taught numerous courses for primary, secondary, college and adult learners in a wide variety of spiritual and practical subjects. And presently, she is writing and coordinating the development of a Krishna conscious academic curriculum. We request all Matajis, particularly those who have children, to stay back because Mataji would be making a very, very special presentation today. So this is for the benefit of all of us and particularly for the mothers and for the young children and of course the fathers. <laughs> so let us welcome Urmila Mataji in our traditional style by loudly chanting Hari Bol! Hari Bol! Hari Bol! Thank you Mataji. Hare Krishna. So nice to be back in Chaupati after several years, especially to come on Diwali Day. So before starting the class, I'd like to make a very brief presentation. Uh, we just made this presentation to the International GBC yesterday in Juhu. Uh, so we thought we could also share it with you before we start the class. So you may know that in 1970, Srila Prabhupada asked that we develop educational materials for our children to train them not just in Krishna consciousness, but also in all academic subject areas. So a few devotees made some attempts in the 70s. However, uh, none of those attempts were really professionally done and there wasn't anything done systematically. So now, finally, 40 years later, we're able to fulfill this desire of His Divine Grace. With the beginning, we have, this is just a very few samples. Actually, there are 83 books. I just bring a few of them with me. And these are to teach children how to read English. And they are following international standards of education. They're following British, American, New Zealand standards. They were compiled with the top leading experts in the world. And if a child goes systematically, or anyone, if you want to learn how to read English, from the beginning book to the end book, you will know how to read English. You can see there's some beginning books and some advanced books. And every book has a teaching guide, which also has many activities to do, games, that are all educational for teaching reading. So it's a full reading program. Altogether, it's in three boxes, beginning, intermediate, and advanced. 
about year and a half to two and a half year course with everything you need. So cake is very nice. Everybody likes cake? You all like cake, right? But when you have icing on the cake, it's even better. So now I'm going to show you the icing on our cake. So in the beginning of the book, it lists 25 languages. And it has this magic pen that you just... Did Krishna do it? You tell the pen what book you're in, and then the pen will read you the book. Krishna and Yashoda sat on a mat. Krishna, now, Yashoda said. So it's actually reading the book to you, and also the pictures will talk. I'm Krishna's, I'm Krishna's mother, Yashoda. I'm baby Krishna. Sorry, I'm trying to get the microphone here. I'm baby Krishna. (laughs) Now, it's not just the people who talk. I'm a pot of yogurt, and I taste yummy. Open me if you can. And here's Krishna trying to open the yogurt pot. That's not all. There's more. Let's go to another book. And again, if you go to the page, you'll hear it in English. Krishna calls me tonight in the light of the moon, Radha said. But maybe you'd like to hear it in Hindi. Or maybe you'd like to hear it in Gujarati. Or maybe you'd like to hear it in Bengali. Or maybe you'd like to hear it in Tamil. Or maybe you'd like to hear it in Russian. Or French. Or what about Chinese? So this way, if you have one of these languages as your native language, you can hear the book in that language, and you can also hear it in English. Of course, those children who grow up speaking English can also get exposure to all other languages. You can also record your own voice into the book, Now, not only so you can make the characters speak in your own voice, and in addition to the characters speaking, they may also sing. I think I can hear his flute. And play music. So it's altogether a very fun way to learn. And we Hare Krishna devotees are the first people in the world to develop a comprehensive reading program that you can hear in 25 languages. 
You know, generally, we're happy if we can make an imitation of what the non-devotees do. Uh, this time, we did better. All right. So, if any of you are, are interested, I have these, these leaflets that show you the website where you can go. And if there's maybe one person that can just take these. And then if you're interested, raise your hand and you'll get one. And any left, ring back. So, I, I hope that... Uh, these books not only teach about Krishna's pastimes, they also are about devotee families, some living in an Indian village, specifically living at Govardhan, some living in a modern city. We have uh, st- picture stories about oxen farming the land, sustainable living. We have stories about vegetarianism, morality, a whole range of different stories and books. And particularly, we would like to flood India with these books to try to join the blind men and the lame men atop Western technology and Western level of uh, competence with the best of Indian culture. Sometimes we seem to join the worst of the West with the worst of India. So this time we want to join the best of the West with the best of India. And we want to show the children of India that their own culture is supreme and can be understood even through Western expertise. So as we chant Jai Radhamadava today, we can meditate on the fact that today, Diwali, this is the actual day when Mother Yasoda tied up baby Krishna. Do you know that? This happened on this day. So especially when we're singing Yasoda Nandana, Rajajana Ranjana, we can really meditate on this lila. Mo Bhagavate Vasudevaya November 5th, 2011, Diwali Day in Chaupati. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 9, Chapter 6, The Downfall of Shobari Muni. We're reading text 3 through 7. A take prasuta vai. Punas twangirasasmita. Rahitaranam pravara. Shetropeta Dvijataya. Please translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. Having been born from the womb of Ratitara's wife, all these sons were known as the dynasty of Ratitara. But because they were born from the semen of Angira, they were also known as the dynasty of Angira. Among all the progeny of Ratitara, these sons were the most prominent because, owing to their birth, they were considered brahmanas. Purport. Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur gives the meaning of Dvi Jatayaha as mixed caste, indicating a mixture of brahman and kshatriya. So even though there's a purport, I was asked to go on to text 7. So I'm going to be obedient. And should we say something on this verse? No. Okay. Text 4. The son of Manu was Ishvaku. When Manu was sneezing, 
Ishvaku was born from Manu's nostrils. Now, we think in the modern day that we're very advanced in all different ways of conceiving children, right? There's IVF, there's so many different ways now that you can conceive children. But modern doctors have not yet found a way for a man to sneeze out a baby. King Ishvaku had 100 sons, of whom the Kukshi, the Kukshi Nimi, and Nandaka were the most prominent. Purport. According to Sridhar Swami, although the Bhagavatam in 9.1.11-12 has previously included Ishvaku among the ten sons begotten by Manu in his wife Shraddha, this was a generalization. It is here specifically explained that Ishvaku was born simply from the sneezing of Manu. So this is a very important point in terms of understanding Shastra. Sometimes people say, well, we want to take every word of the Shastra literally. But you cannot do that. Because here we find that five chapters ago, it says that Ishvaku was born from Manu's wife, Shraddha. And here we find he was not born through Manu's wife. He was born through Manu's nose. <laughs> so... How can you take both statements as being completely, literally true? You can't. Therefore, we have the explanation of the Acharyas, Sridhar Swami, which Srila Prabhupada is repeating, that the one statement was general statement, and this is more specifics. So it's very important when we're studying the Shastra and when we're using Shastra and the words of the sadhus, the words of our gurus, in order to prove some point, that we make sure that we study the Shastra comprehensively. Otherwise, if you just go to one verse or one purport and you take out one sentence, and this is my proof, there may be another explanation in another place that gives a more complete or balanced description. Therefore, the Acharyas have warned us, do not study many books superficially, just to win arguments. So, like all of us know, like my PhD thesis, I listed three or four hundred references. So now I already have the degree, I can say this, even though it's being recorded. So everybody knows I didn't read all four hundred books. Common knowledge in the universities, that if you list four hundred references, it's not that you are actually a scholar on all four hundred references. What have you done? We all learned to do this in school, right? Everybody learned in secondary school. If you want to reference a big 400-page book, you go to page 230 and you pick out some quote and you put it in your paper. You all did that, right? Yes, of course. Especially you have to pick out one later in the book. Looks like you read the whole book. But actually, you don't really understand it. You know? Just to look impressive. And they train you to do that. Uh, cheating. Right? They actually, the professors will actually tell you. I used to ask the professors. I say, each one of you is giving us so much reading to do every week. No human being could do it. They say, oh, just glance at it. Just so you can answer some questions and sound very intelligent. So we should not read the Shastra like that. This is an injunction. The purpose of reading the Shastra 
is not to support our own views. I have my own view. Let me find something from the Shastra that supports it. My dear friends, you can support almost anything from something in the Shastra. The Christians have a term. Prabhupada would also say this. The devil can cite Shastra. You, almost anything you want to prove, you can find something somewhere that all this is evidence. So we are not to use the Shastra like that, nor are we to use the Shastra just to study a little bit here, a little bit there, so we can quote and everybody will think, oh, Pandit. No, one has to actually understand. So this requires intense study. Vishila Prabhupada would say, I've written all these books not just for distribution. Every morning we report to Radha Gopinath, who has distributed books. Maybe sometime we should report who has read the books. <laughs> so Prabhupada also wanted us to read. And, then, and reading thoroughly. Really trying to understand in depth. Okay. I'm supposed to go to check seven, so we will keep going. <laughs> so this is text five. Of the 100 sons, 25 became kings in the western part of Aryavrata, a place between the Himalayas and Vindhya Mountains. Another 25 sons became kings in the east of Aryavrata, and the three principal sons became kings in the middle. The other sons became kings in various other places. Okay, now the next text we're reading, 6 and 7. Vishnu Chakravati Thakur in his commentary says that this, these verses are particularly to explain why one of the sons got another name. He got the name Shashada or Shashada. He got the name Shashada. So this is the story of how he got the name Shashada. Just like how did Devarat get the name Bhishma? There's a story how he took a vow. So this is the story. Now, Shashada means rabbit eater. That's what it means. So they would say him, oh, king rabbit eater. So how did he get this name? Because his original name was Vikukshi. I don't know what Vikukshi means. Anybody know what Vikukshi means? Anyway, that was his original name, but he became known as the rabbit eater. So this is how it happened. Text 6. During the months of January, February, and March, Oblations offered to the forefathers are called Astaka Shraddha. The Shraddha ceremony is held during the dark fortnight of the month. When Maharaja Ishraku was performing his oblations in this ceremony, he orders his son Vikukshi to go immediately to the forest to bring some pure flesh. So he was meant to go to the forest to bring some animals for, to be offered in sacrifice. So not text 7. Thereafter, Ishvaku's son, Vikukshi, went to the forest and killed many animals suitable for being offered as oblations. But when fatigued and hungry, he became forgetful. Does that ever happen to us? Right? We, know, we know all these things about Krishna consciousness, how we're supposed to behave, what are moral and ethical. We, we have so many... Decisions we make every day. Okay, I'm going to be this kind of person and that kind of person. I'm going to speak like this. 
I'm going to treat the other brahmacharis in this way. I'm going to talk to my wife like this, take care of my children like this. I'll be nice to my boss. I'll be responsible. All these things every day we're thinking, right? And sometimes we become tired or hungry. <laughs> and everything finished. So that's what happened to Vikukshi. This also happened, of course, as Leela to who? Maharaj Parikshit. Right? He also became, he was thirsty. He was tired and thirsty. Thirst is even worse than hunger, isn't it? Hunger you can tolerate for some days even. But thirst very difficult to tolerate. So when fatigue and hungry, he became forgetful. And he ate one of the rabbits he had killed. So he, had, uh, he was getting these animals for yagya. And Prabhupada will explain in the next verse that whoever will give class tomorrow will talk about how we don't eat the offerings before they're offered. You don't go in the kitchen and say, oh, I'm hungry, give me some of the sandesh, right? We're all, this is how we're all trained. One of the first trainings you get in the Hare Krishna movement is what's bhoga and what's prasad. So he messed up and he ate the bhoga because he was, he, he was just tired and hungry. He just forgot, oh, let me eat this rabbit. So he became known rabbit eater. Purport. Now, Prabhupada in, the pur- in this purport is going to talk about animal killing and ksatriyas. It is evident that ksatriyas killed animals in the forest because the flesh of the animals was suitable to be offered at a particular type of yagya. Offering oblations to the forefathers in the ceremony known as shraddha is also a kind of yagya. In this yagya, flesh obtained from the forest by hunting could be offered. However, in the present age, Kali Yuga, this type of offering is forbidden. Quoting from the Brahma Vaivarta Purana, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Asvameda Gavalambyam Sanyasampalapavitram Devarena Sutotpatim Kalopancha Vivaryajayet In this age of Kali, five acts are forbidden. The offering of a horse in sacrifice, the offering of a cow in sacrifice, the acceptance of the order of sannyasa, the offering of oblations of flesh to the forefathers, and a man begetting children in his brother's wife. So a man begetting children in another's wife, we just read about that also. Right? The king couldn't have any children. He asked his guru, please you give my wife children. So what do you think, before we go on with this purport, what do you think about this sannyasa says here is forbidden in Kali Yuga. Who's, who is quoting this? Who does Srila Prabhupada say is quoting that sannyasa is forbidden? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And what did he do? He became a sannyasi. What do you think about this? Any opinions about this? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is saying, he's quoting the Brahma Vaivartha Purana. Sannyasa is forbidden in the age of Kali. And here Srila Prabhupada is quoting this verse. He quotes this verse often, yes? You've all heard this verse before? Yes? No? You listen to Prabhupada's lectures? Yes, we listen to Prabhupada's lectures. Yes, we do. Yes, I hope. So Prabhupada quotes this verse often? Yes? No? You were all up too late last night celebrating Diwali and now you're all sleeping. Okay. So Prabhupada quotes this verse as authority against having horse and cow sacrifices especially, and against the offering of meat in the Shraddha ceremony. 
So why are we just taking part of the verse? What's, what's with this sannyas part? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't even follow it. He quoted it. He didn't follow it. Srila Prabhupada, of course, took sannyas, gave sannyas to so many people. So what are your thoughts on this? Ah, so the kind of sannyas is the different kinds of sannyas. So what kind of sannyas do we recommend? Anybody know? I'm going to tell you a secret. This sort of sannyas, we're all supposed to be this kind of sannyasi. Everybody. Whether you have a danda or whether you are an investment banker. What kind of sannyas do we take? Anybody know? You can try. You can give a wrong answer. It's all right. This isn't an exam. It won't determine whether or not you get onto university. And Nobody wants to try? Yes, Prabhu. Hmm? Karma sannyas is forbidden. Yes. What kind of sannyas are you supposed to take now? You didn't know you were supposed to be a sannyasi, huh? Even the ladies are supposed to be this kind of sannyasi. Did you know? What kind of sannyasi we're all supposed to be? Renunciation of the false ego. Yes. Complete surrender to Krishna. Krishna is my maintainer. Krishna is my protector. Not that the head of the Brahmachari ashram is my maintainer and protector. Not even that your husband is your maintainer and your protector. Did you know that, ladies? Krishna is your maintainer and protector. Everything I give to Krishna. I serve my husband to please Krishna. I take care of my wife to please Krishna. I raise the children to please Krishna. I make money to please Krishna. I clean the ashram to please Krishna. That kind of sannyasi everybody should be now. That doesn't have to wait until you are 70. You can be that kind of sannyasi when you are 10 years old, no problem. And Prabhupada said when we go to the market to purchase things for Krishna, we should be in samadhi. You know, we think of samadhi like, No, samadhi means I'm absorbed in the person whom I love, which is Krishna. Okay. The word pala, paitrikam, refers to an offering of flesh in oblations to forefathers. Formerly, such an offering was allowed, but in this age, it is forbidden. In this age, Kali Yuga, everyone is expert in hunting animals, but most of the people are shudras, not ksatriyas. According to Vedic injunctions, however, only kshatriyas are allowed to hunt, whereas shudras are allowed to eat flesh after offering goats or other insignificant animals before the deity of goddess Kali or similar demigods. On the whole, meat-eating is not completely forbidden. A particular class of men is allowed to eat meat according to various circumstances and injunctions. As far as eating beef is concerned, however, 
it is strictly prohibited to everyone. Thus, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna personally speaks of goraksham, cow protection. Meat eaters, according to their different positions and the directions of the Shastra, are allowed to eat flesh, but never the flesh of cows. Cows must be given all protection. So here Srila Prabhupada is emphasizing the principle of ahimsa. That one should not kill animals and one should not kill and eat animals. So why are we so concerned with this principle? If you come to the Hare Krishna movement, even if you don't understand anything else, at least this much you get. Isn't it? At least you take this much. That one should be vegetarian. So why? So this morning, uh, one Prabhu made an announcement that uh, my very dear godbrother, Purnachandra Maharaj, has just left this world in Moscow. He was ill for many, many years. Uh, he had hepatitis C. Uh, recently, he was unresponsive in the hospital. And what I noticed was that for most of the devotees here, it, it was nothing. Oh, somebody else has left the planet. Okay, let's go chant our japa. And for me, because I've worked with Purnachandra Maharaj for at least 10 years, he's the chairman of the Shastric Advisory Council that I'm on. I work with him editing his book. I've been to his seminars. So I was crying so one of the ladies came to me and said, oh, stop crying. <laughs> I said, why should I stop crying? And I was, I was thinking about this. And recently also in, in Mayapur, just a couple of days ago, they made an announcement that this one young Gurukuli girl, Devaki Mai, had just left her body in a car accident. But it was interesting the way they said it. They said, we regret to inform you that Devaki Mataji has just left her body in a car accident. And one of the women involved in the GBC meetings was Devaki Mataji. <laughs> and she was not at Mangalartik that morning. Every morning she was there, that morning she was not there. And when he first said that, we looked at each other. Our Devaki has just died in a car accident. And then he said, she was 20 years old. We all, oh, it wasn't that Devaki. And I thought it was very interesting. When we know somebody, then it is very emotionally wrenching. And when you don't know somebody, it's nothing. Oh, someone else has died. Okay. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. I'm thinking, how is this con going to go on without Purnachandra Marsh? And everyone else is thinking, my days, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then this is happening, and this is happening. So the reason we want to practice ahimsa, Krishna knows every one of us. I know a few people out of the six billion people on the planet. I know a few people. And when I know somebody, I care about them. I don't want them to experience any pain. I don't want them to experience any suffering. I want them to be happy. In, in Mayapur, I saw one of my godbrothers, Sachinarayan Prabhu, who's dedicated his life to personally financing the translation and publication of Srila Prabhupada's books in all the languages of the world. I said, Prabhu, I want to show you this children's book project. And he's a very wealthy man. He's accustomed people are asking him for. 
money. He said, why do you want to show me this program? I said, because I know you're dedicated to giving Krishna consciousness in all the languages of the world, and I think when you see this, you will be very happy. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, I think you're the first person who ever said they cared about me being happy. So Krishna, because he actually loves everyone, everyone, each one of us, but not only each one of us, he loves every single living entity. I mean, those of us who have children, we know how much we love our children. How much a parent will sacrifice for their children. Or, you know, we may love our mother. We have somebody in this world that we really love, maybe brother or sister. So Krishna loves us millions and millions and millions and millions of times, each one of us, more than we have ever, we can ever experience. Like you take your best, best friend, multiply by millions and millions and millions of times. So if anybody causes any pain or any obstruction, to any living entity, Krishna pains him. Of course, Ananda Chimayara said he's full of bliss. But still, it's, it's, there's a kind of loving anguish. And the animals, they're progressing. The soul and the animal body, like someone in school, is progressing from one grade to another. So the soul and the animal's body has some lessons to learn. And if we go and we kill that animal prematurely, it can't properly execute its duties again. It has to go back in the womb. Again, it has to take birth as that animal to finish its lesson. Just like whenever you're doing something and someone interrupts you in the middle. How do you feel? Right? You're trying to get something done. You're focused on getting that done. And somebody interrupts you. So Krishna doesn't want the progress of any jiva to be interrupted or any distress to anyone. Therefore, this principle of ahimsa is one of the primary principles in all the religious systems of the world. When Jesus Christ was asked, what are the essential aspects of your teaching? He said, to love God with all your soul, all your heart, all your might, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And also Krishna in Bhagavad Gita is saying this one who is kind to all living entities. Even when he's speaking of the impersonalists. Krishna says, Suridam Sarvadehinam. But he says also, Suridam Sarvabhutanam is also for the devotees. Even the karma yogi. Vijabhanaya Sampane Brahmani Gavihasani Shuni Chaivasvapakecha Pandita Samadharshina and in the sixth chapter, talking about dhyana yoga, Krishna is saying the yogi sees everyone's happiness and distress like his own. He understands, I feel happy in certain things and I feel pain. Everyone else also. So to become a bhakti yogi, one has to, one has to show compassion and love and consideration and respect to every living entity. Someone who only shows respect to God, they're the lowest level. So many people in this world, they show respect to God. Oh, I worship God, I worship God. And then they go kill somebody from another religion. 
They tell you if you have not even another religion, another branch of the same religion. The Protestants are making booklets how the Catholics are going to hell. You know this? So how is this loving your neighbor? I'm sorry, am I putting you to sleep? We could sing and dance. If you're sleeping, stand up. I'm trying to be entertaining. I'm trying. I know it's very hot. And maybe you had long celebrations last night with all your fireworks. But this is part of the process. Lord Kapiladev says, if you are making your offering into the fire, you're throwing like this, people are doing yagyas. If you're throwing your offering into the fire, but you don't respect the other living entities, then what are you putting your offerings in? Do you know? What Lord Kapiladev says? You're not putting your offerings into fire. You're putting your offerings into ashes. To ashes. Almost useless. Little value. Little sukriti. Very little. Therefore, Prabhupada said, at least you must come to the second class platform. And the way to come to the second class platform is to treat all living, everyone, not only my Guru Maharaj and the senior Vaishnavas, all the Vaishnavas. How do you know who's a senior Vaishnava? Don't think... Senior Vaishnava just means that by some circumstance I happen to get Diksha from Prabhupada. That's circumstantial, my dear friends. You don't know who is the real senior. You should think everyone is probably senior. Therefore, we call everyone Prabhu. Sometimes now in Iskand we think Prabhu means men. The Mataji's bathroom, the Prabhu's bathroom. Prabhu does not mean men. Prabhu means master. We're supposed to see all the devotees, not just all the devotees, all living entities. All living entities. Because Jiva Swarupaya, Krishna Nichidasha. Jiva, every Jiva is Krishna's servant. Every Jiva is dear to Krishna. Every Jiva. They are my master. You don't know. You don't always know who is an advanced devotee, like the story of Jad Bharat and Rahugana. Jad Bharat thought, uh, Rahugana, sorry, thought that Jad Bharat was some like mentally retarded person. Because he seemed like this externally. He wasn't talking, he was dirty, he had a black Brahmin thread. Oh, it's a fool, but he was strong, strong fool. And he was yelling at him. Oh, I see you're not very strong. You're really weak and skinny. And then Jad Bharat started preaching philosophy. At the end, Marjorie said, I offer my obeisances to all the saintly persons who may be hidden. They may be hidden as children. We don't know. As I travel the world in this international society for Krishna consciousness, I have met very deep and advanced devotees who are functioning on on very high levels of Krishna realization. Some of them are carrying dandas. 
And some of them, my dear friends, are working out in the world. Some of them you don't know. Some grihasta lady who's working as a doctor outside in some western country, she may be having realizations of Krishna Leela in her heart. How do you know? You don't know. The person washing the pots, like our Jayananda, you know, he was the trash man. Even in America, the rubbish man is low position. What to speak of in India? Jayananda was the rubbish man in the temple. Just imagine. And Prabhupada said we should celebrate his disappearance like that of all the Vaishnava saints. He was the rubbish man. He was going out to buy the bhoga. He was hammering the ratiyatra carts. He couldn't pronounce Sanskrit properly. But he was actually a sadhu. So this has to be our practice. Like Dhruva Maharaj. You all know the story of Dhruva Maharaj. You know? Yes? Yes? We know? No, we don't know? Yes? No? Yes? Do we know? Yes? Okay. Good. So Dhruva Maharaj was insulted by his stepmother. It's very common in royal families that there is a competition for royal power. And in the name of getting royal power, they will kill or insult other family members. Like Kamsa, he was killing his nephews in order to secure his royal position. Kaikei, she exiled Ram to secure her royal position. Right? So Suruchi, Ruchi means pleasing. Suruchi, who was very pleasing to King Uttanapad, she insulted Dhruva. She said, you cannot be king, you cannot even sit on your father's lap, you have to die. Imagine saying this to a five-year-old child. You have to die and take birth again in my womb. So he was very offended. He was very offended. Later when he saw Lord Vishnu, Lord Vishnu said to him, because your stepmother offended you and because your stepbrother also did not speak up, because his stepbrother, Uttam, he didn't say anything. He didn't say, Mommy, Mommy, let my brother sit on Daddy's lap too. He didn't say anything. So, Uttam, he would be killed in a forest fire. And Suruchi, she would go after him and she would also, and she would perish. He would be killed by Yakshas and she would die looking for him in the forest. They would both die. And Prabhupada says there in the purport, uh, just like we say, Yasya Prasada, Bhagavat Prasada, Yasya Prasada, Nagati Kutopi. Nagati Kutopi. You don't know where you are going. Prabhupada said, if you serve a Vaishnava without knowledge, you get the good results. And if you offend a Vaishnava, even without knowledge, you do not know where you're going. Now, what's very interesting about this story is that when Suruchi insulted Dhruva, was he at that time a Mahabhagavat Vaishnava? No. Rupa Goswami uses Dhruva Maharaj as the example of Yes, Karma Mishra Bhakti. And uses him as the example of a Kanishta, Kanishta, unsteady Bhakta, who was looking for wealth. Right? Krishna gives the four types of people who surrender to him. One type is saying, I don't want to suffer anymore. Another type is saying, I want to enjoy. So Dhruva was saying, I want to enjoy. So he was a Prakrita Bhakta. 
Kanista. I'm looking for wealth. Of the four kinds of Kanista, that's the lowest. So, when she insulted him, actually when she insulted him, he wasn't even worshipping Vishnu. He hadn't even started to become a Kanista Vaishnava. So we should not think, oh, this person right now, he was envious and angry, wasn't he? I want something more than my father or grandfather. What is that, my friends? What do we call that? Envy. Correct? At the time she insulted him, what was he? But because he became Mahabhagavat devotee, finished. So therefore, part of the process is we do not do any violence to anybody. Anybody. What to speak of anyone who's in this process? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, once somebody takes initiation, they will attain perfection. may take some lifetimes, whatever, but they will attain perfection. And one lifetime, you know, one lifetime for Lord Brahma is eight billionths of a second. We are so interested, we want to get some nice facility in this life, you know. Okay, become a billionaire for eight billionths of a second. Foolishness. Anyway, if one person takes, you know, one lifetime, another person takes ten lifetimes, doesn't matter in the universal scheme of things. Just doesn't matter. So therefore, this is part of the process. And without doing this part of the process, one cannot enter into higher stages of bhakti. This Trinadapi principle, this is the doorway between unnis according to Bhajanarahasya Bhakti Vinotakur, this is the doorway between unsteady bhakti. Who likes unsteady bhakti? Anybody like unsteady bhakti? It's miserable, isn't it? Sometimes you think about Krishna, usually forget Krishna. Like a devotee said to Prabhupada, Prabhupada, sometimes we fall into Maya. He said, you're always in Maya, sometimes you fall into Krishna. <laughs> so that's unsteady bhakti. And still we're pushed about by this, like this king who was tired and hungry and he forgot everything and he ate the rabbit. You know, so sometimes we forget everything and we eat our friend's head off practically, right? <laughs> Worse than eating a rabbit. So the doorway between this unsteady bhakti and steady bhakti, this is this humility, giving respect to everyone. But not only is it part of the process of bhakti, it is also one of the symptoms of bhakti. It's a way we can tell whether or not we're advancing. We see, my dear friends, we have seen so many devotees, so many, who think, that the evidence of their bhakti is that they are criticizing other Vaishnavas. My service to Prabhupada, my service to Iskhan is to point out the faults in everyone. I have met so many people like this and I am also a person like this more times than I would like to admit. The way I'm going to help the temple is I'm going to point out his faults. That's how we're going to have a better temple and a better community. I'm going to say, what's wrong with this person? I'm going to be critical. Of course, we should always be trying to improve things, but not with the mood of violence. Not with the mood of violence. 
Otherwise, we're at the lowest platform. So as we're advancing, we should see this tendency for criticism should be decreasing. If it's increasing, my dear friends, then we're not watering our bhakti, we're watering some weed that looks like bhakti. We think, oh, this, this criticism of the devotees, especially we like to criticize the leaders. Have you ever noticed that? You know why? Because we think this person is hindering my ability to enjoy or my ability to become Krishna conscious. If I could get this person out of my way, all my trouble would be solved. And ultimately, we think that way about Krishna. We think Krishna is the whole problem. The reason I can't be happy in this world is that Krishna is causing me so many problems. Or the reason, this is really funny, the reason I can't be Krishna conscious is that Krishna is not giving me the best situation for my Krishna consciousness. His fault. So if I could just get rid of that Krishna, then I could be Krishna conscious. Hare Krishna. So we think like that. We think like that about anyone in the leadership position. So as we're advancing, we should feel love for all living entities. We may have to say the Mayavadis, they're offenders. We have to speak honestly, but without any envy. Therefore, Rupa Goswami says the symptom of the Uttama Bhakta is free from the propensity. Out of all the 26 qualities of a devotee, he picks only one. Not just free from criticism, free from the propensity to criticize. We have to test our own advancement. Advancement is not just someone gives you a Bhakti Shasti certificate. One devotee showed me recently this Bhagavad Gita game. If you can answer questions about Bhagavad Gita, what's the three modes of material nature? What's the fall-down process in chapter 2, text 62? Then you get bhakti cards and you go back to Godhead. I said, Prabhu, no. Not a fact. <laughs> right? It's not we're going to judge our advancement by we pass some examination on rote memory. Or any kind of, or we have to ask someone else, excuse me, Prabhu, am I advanced? Just like at prasadam time, you don't say, excuse me, Prabhu, have I eaten enough? Am I, am I satisfied now eating? Oh, you know, when you're satisfied eating, you feel nourished. You feel nourishment, you feel pleasure, and your hunger is abated. So in the same way, we should be able to gauge whether or not we're making advancement. And this is one of the main marks. Am I becoming free from the tendency to criticize? Not just that my mind is going... But I'm stopping the tendency. I have a desire instead of to criticize and be violent. I have a desire to serve. What kind of a society are we if we're kind to the animals and we're not kind to each other? Protect the cows, protect your cows, protect the cows, but yell at your wife. A way we would not even dream of talking to a cow. And we will talk to the other devotee. Could you imagine? You go to a cow, you stupid! Who would do this? But then you'll go to your husband, your wife, your children, your friends, and talk like this. So this, we should see whether or not we're making advancement. So how do we do this? How do we do this practically? Because everybody will agree. At least, I tell you, you know why we will all agree about this. 
because we want everyone to treat us nicely. <laughs> so we were thinking, if this is a society where there's no more propensity for criticism and no more violence, and everybody's nice to each other, then everybody will be nice to me, and I'll be happy. So at least we have that motivation. That's better than nothing. It's a fact. We're all... Why do we want a place where everyone's nice to us? Do you know why we want that? Because that's where we come from. That's our home. That's our home. No matter how much you like traveling, everybody wants to come home. Oh, home. <laughs> right? Maharaj's book, The Journey Home. What's our home? Our home is Goloka Vrindavan, where everybody's nice to everybody. Prabhupada says that's one of the main features. Everyone appreciates everyone. So if we want to do this, even if our beginning reasons are purely selfish, it's all right. You have to start somewhere. How do we do this? Because we think, I want this, I want this, I want this. I want to live in that kind of society. It's one of the reasons I came to the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. I was tired of the dog-eat-dog world out there. And sometimes I find the swan-eat-swan world here. (laughs) I have such good intentions. But if I'm upset about something or I'm tired or I'm hungry, there goes my good intentions. And then we have to go. How many times have we had to apologize to the other devotees, you know? Millions and millions. Oh, Prabhu, please forgive me. I'm so offensive. And again we do it. Again we do it. Again we do it. How are we going to solve this problem? Nishopanishad, when Srila Prabhupada's commenting on the view of the Mahabhagavat, he says this cannot be solved artificially. When, when I first read Bhagavad Gita when I was in the university, I had what Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur calls in Madhurya Kadambari, false confidence. So I read Bhagavad Gita and I thought, oh yes, I'm in the mode of goodness on this one and I'm in the mode of goodness on this one and I'm really in the mode of goodness on this one and I'm so equipoised. And I'm kind to all living entities. I really believed that. And then when something would happen, immediately I would become not so equipoised. <laughs> How did that happen? Right Now when I read Bhagavad Gita, I think, oh, I'm in the mode of ignorance on that one, and I'm in the mode of ignorance on that one. Because you can't do it artificially. You can't just say, okay, today I'm going to be nice to everyone. Today I'm not going to offend anyone. Today I'm not going to commit any kind of violence. Not only I'm not going to kill anybody, I'm not going to hit anybody, I'm not going to yell at anybody, I'm not going to even think cruel thoughts about anybody. It will not work. Does this work? Anybody find this work? I just make a determination and then I... Anybody? Does this work for you? Sad, isn't it? And then we're told this is the doorway. We all want to walk through the doorway to higher stages of bhakti, right? Correct? We're singing in the Stamadarastika, right? Please, (laughs) fill my mind. We're, We're anchoring. So, the only way to do it is to do it. One has to fill one's heart with Krishna. Like when I was sitting in front of Srila Prabhupada in 1975, my oldest son, who's going to be 36 in a few days, so he was about one, one and a half years, he was sitting on my lap. Prabhupada said, just like this mother is loving her son, 
without any expectation of return. In that way, you should love Krishna. And my father said, will loving her son help her to love Krishna? Prabhupada said, no. He said, but loving Krishna will help her to love her son. We have to fill our hearts with Krishna. The real reason that we are violent to others and cruel to others and critical of others is that I am thinking that I'm empty. I have an illusion that I'm incomplete because I've cut myself off from Krishna. Bahir Mukhe, I've turned away from Krishna. Actually, I can't cut myself off from Krishna. It is not possible. But I've imagined that I'm cut off from Krishna. And if you cut off the hand, the hand isn't getting any nourishment. And I'm not feeling nourished by Krishna because I've cut myself off from Krishna. So I feel empty. And I'm thinking, you and you and you and you and you, you have to fill me. You have to give me what I need. But no one else can give me what I need. None of you can give me what I need. You cannot give me the love that I need. You cannot give me the security that I need. You cannot give me the acceptance that I need. You cannot give me the sense of meaning that I need. You cannot give me the sense of community that I need. Meaning, peace, excitement. No other jiva can give me that. But I am trying to get that from so many jivas. And when they don't give me that, I become angry and critical. And then I try to force, give me what I need. But if I already have what I need, only then can I treat everybody with respect. Only then. If I'm hungry... And I come as a guest to your house and you don't feed me. Never will happen in India. Outside of India, it will happen. I was visiting some temples. I do this all the time. And I had gone to temple after temple after temple run by Indians. And then I went to one temple run by Westerners. They did not offer me a seat. They did not offer me a glass of water. Nothing. They said hello to me. Sweet words they gave me. After a while, I said, um, I just traveled for about 15 hours. Can I sit down somewhere? Um, I'm really thirsty. Can I have some water? So we may feel some disturbance. If we expect, I come as a guest, people are supposed to give me water and food, and if they don't give me, we become like Mars Prickett, became angry. Why isn't he giving me water? But you know what? If I had just eaten a big meal and already had a bottle of water, it wouldn't matter. Wouldn't matter. If my belly was already full, then whether you feed me or not, I'm not disturbed. My disturbance comes if I feel empty. Therefore, one must fill one's heart with Krishna. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnat Udachate Purnasya Purnamadeya Purnam Eva Vasishate. Krishna is complete, not just complete, overflowing complete. Always expanding, expanding, dynamic, dynamic, dynamic. If I'm connected with Krishna, then all of my needs are fulfilled. 
Everything I need is fulfilled in completeness. That's what Dhruva Maharaj said. He said, now that I've met you, Lord, I'm complete. I no longer want anything from anyone. All my criticism is gone. My envy is gone. Why? Because I'm complete. We must seek to become complete by connecting with the complete. And everything we're doing, our japa, our reading, our sitting here in class, our seva, our book distribution, everything we're doing, our washing the dishes, our changing our baby's nappies, our serving our husband his meal, our taking care of the other, it's all meant to connect us with Krishna and become complete. And I'm going to teach you all a little mantra. Whenever you become angry with another living entity, whenever you feel like you want to criticize another living entity, whenever there's any urge to do any violence on any level, mental, emotional, physical, even in the heart, to any other living entity, stop and say, Krishna will meet all of my needs. This is the mantra I'm teaching you. Krishna will meet all of my needs. Krishna will meet all of my needs. And you know he really does. And some of you may be saying he's not meeting all my needs, Ramila. Let me tell you my life story. <laughs> but you know he really does meet all of our needs. And he meets all of our needs in a perfect way. Not, maybe not the way I have in my head that he's supposed to meet my needs. But Krishna's just a little bit smarter than I am. Just little. Maybe. <laughs> So he knows much better way to meet my needs than I know how to meet my needs. And as you grow in Krishna consciousness, you will see all of my desires are being fulfilled. And Krishna is meeting all of my needs in a much better way than I could have ever planned. Sometimes it's the opposite way to what I planned. Sometimes completely opposite. I thought I will get security and meaning and community this way. This way became destroyed. And I thought, Krishna, you're not meeting my needs. What's wrong with you? He says, no, 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 no. Over here, like your famous poet Rabindranath Tagore said, when the mother takes the baby off the right breast, the baby cries, not knowing that immediately she's going to give the left breast. So Krishna will always nourish us. We don't have to get any of our needs met from any other jiva. And when we are fixed in that, then all of our relationships are on the platform of freedom. I can just give love and I can give service and I don't need to get anything back from you. Why? Because I'm getting it from Krishna. Unlimitedly. Therefore I can give. Therefore I can be tolerant. Therefore, I can give up the propensity to criticize others. So we may not be perfect at this today, but at least we can keep sadhana. We can practice abhyas yoga. Practice yoga. Practice connecting with Krishna. So when we, when we make that resolution, today I'm going to be a nice person, today I'm going to treat others nicely, all you have to do is make the resolution, today I'm going to connect with Krishna. And whenever anyone disturbs me, and others will disturb us, guaranteed, 100%. 100%. I want to know from any of you if you go 24 hours with no one else disturbing you. 100%. Guaranteed. We will all get a chance to practice this today. Definitely. Maybe in the next hour. Absolutely guaranteed. 
So we make a resolution that when Krishna gives me an opportunity to practice, how kind he is. If you go to a teacher, they give you an opportunity for practice, isn't that? What kind of a teacher gives you no practice? <laughs> so Krishna gives us so much practice. And when it happens, what do we say? Krishna will take care of all of my needs. Krishna will take care of all of my needs. And he will take care of all of my needs in such a wonderful way that I cannot imagine. I do not need this jiva to meet my needs. Then we can actually come to the second and ultimately to the third class platform of yoga. So I went a little late, for which I apologize. I figured it's a holiday and I would be somewhat excused. So is there some in-charge person here? Who's an in-charge person? Some in-charge person? Anybody in charge? Somebody? So, should I stop now or ask questions? Ask for questions. Ask for, until what time? Until 10 o'clock. Is that all right with everybody? If it's not all right, you can consider the class is over and you can leave and I won't be offended. So, the class is now officially over. So, anyone who wants to leave, thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. And if you would like to stay, we will take 15 minutes for questions. So questions, comments, additions, subtractions, chastisements, corrections. You have a mic also for the questions? Yes. Mataji, thanks a lot for a wonderful class. Uh, I just wanted to ask, like, uh, how do you make an emotional transition between like being a reserved person who really want to do good good to others and uh, like you said you know the uh, to be benevolent and to be loving to each and every living entity but we see that uh, when we have uh, love and that kind of belonging to other entities uh, there there's kind of a of a risk where you get uh, emotionally tangled or kind of uh, uh, so most of the people they prefer uh, to not meet with the suffering which comes along. So, uh, there is a safer way that you stay away from that kind of... Uh, Very nice question. So, how do you make a transition from that? Uh, what you are talking about is called in Sanskrit Bhogatyag. So, what we do is we try to love other people or other living entities. We get hurt and then we close. And when you close, then you feel lonely. <laughs> So then again, you open and try to love. And when you open and try to love, you get hurt. When you hurt, you close. Then you feel lonely. Then you open. Then you close. And we've been trying this for a long time. Many, 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 many lifetimes. We've tried it as a tiger. We've tried it as a demigod. we tried it as a woman, as a man, as everything. So I am not suggesting that kind of love. That kind of love, the reason we get hurt is because that kind of love is coming from a place of emptiness. That kind of love is actually not love. It's something else. That I feel empty, and I'm hoping that you or you or you will fill my emptiness. And when you don't fill my emptiness, because you can't, I feel hurt. The reason that relationships hurt, in them, and they hurt a lot, don't they? How much do they hurt? The closer the relationship, the more the pain. But the reason it hurts 
is I'm expecting something. I'm having a relationship for some purpose for myself. I'm coming to the temple thinking, oh, you're going to receive me nicely and feed me. And when you don't, I'm hurt. Because I'm hungry. If I'm not hungry, just try to understand this simple thing. If I'm not hungry, I'm not going to feel offended. In fact, Durvasamuni, after Krishna ate the little thing from the pot, and he was completely full, he didn't even want to go. Because he thought, if I go, I'll have to tell them I'm already full, and, and, and then I'll offend them. If I'm already full, I'm not offended if you don't feed me. I'm happy if you don't feed me. I don't want you to feed me. You ever have that? You go to like three programs in one day, and then somebody wants to feed you, and you, please go away, don't feed me. I'm already full. So closing the heart does not solve our problem. Does closing the heart solve our problem? Anybody found the problem solved by closing the heart? And the problem doesn't solve by opening the heart in emptiness. Two different kinds of pain, that's all. This pain, that pain. Why choose pain? Fill your heart with Krishna. Actually, Krishna is already there. Ishwara Sarabhutanam Rajeshara Junatisthiti is already there. Like at Radhakund, Shamakund, you know, they... Uh, Last year they drained the kunz. Maybe some of you were there. You saw the video or the photos. They, they took all the water out of the kunz. But what do you see at the bottom of the kunz? There's a spring. There's a spring. And in the bottom of the kunz, there's water coming. And after they clean the kunz, they don't, they're not bringing in water from some other place. The water is naturally filling the kunz. So our heart is like that. Our heart is like a reservoir. And in the bottom of the reservoir, there's a spring. But we have put a stopper in this spring. We've told Krishna, go away. Go away. I don't want to see you. I don't want to know about you. I want to forget you. So that's putting a stopper. All you have to do is take out this stopper and the spring is there. will fill your heart. Then you can love. Without a full heart, it's, it's not love. It's something else. It's hunger, actually. It's hunger. Material so-called love is hunger. And thinking, it's, it's really, the, we talk here about animal killing and meat-eating. So you think about animal killing. I'm hungry. And to satisfy my hunger, I will kill you and eat your blood. So this we can understand it's very gross. But all material relationships are exactly like that. Let me suck out your energy. Let me take from you. Let me see you as an object of my enjoyment and hoping you will fill me. That is not love and it will cause us only pain. And just renouncing that will also cause us only pain. That is not renunciation. 
Many, many devotees think that being hard-hearted is being renounced. It's not. It's nothing to do with being renounced. Anger and aversion and hard-heartedness have nothing to do with renunciation. They're just the tiaga boga tiaga. That's all. Nothing more. They have no more value than the bog stage. Useless. Fill your heart with Krishna. Fill your heart with Krishna. Connect yoga. Connect with Krishna. Feel that Krishna's in your heart. If you say, I can't feel it, then the plug's in. Take out the plug. Just take out the plug. Just let it go. What is this plug? You know what the plug is, right? Envy. Let go. Just let it go. So nice. We've all experienced a little bit, right? We've all at least shaken the plug, or we wouldn't be sitting here. Maybe some of you haven't experienced, you're just curious. But most of us, I think we've experienced sometime, at least we shook that plug, and a little tiny few drops of that water of Krishna came into our heart, right? Whoa, what is this? Take out the plug. Only then can you love. You can't, otherwise it's not love. On that love... You cannot be hurt. Think of this water. So let's say at the bottom of this cup there was a hole and there's a spring. Keep pouring more water into the cup so that the water was flowing out of the cup. Could anybody put poison in there? It would immediately flow out. They couldn't. If my cup is empty, then you can put poison in it. Keep it full. And overflowing. Get the stopper out of there. At least start a little bit. That's the per- everything we're doing. It's for that purpose. I'm chanting Japa in order to fill my heart with Krishna. Everything we're doing is for- then you can love. If you try to love without doing that, Again, you'll, you'll say, oh, this philosophy is no good. I tried loving all the devotees and I just got hurt again. To do it on the material plan, it will, not, it will not work. It will not work. And then again, you'll go back into your little, no, I'm not going to talk to anybody anymore. <laughs> Let me just go to the Himalayas or go in my room. And... But again, you'll come out. How long will you stay in your room? And again, you'll try to have a relationship with someone. Again, you'll get hurt. Again, you'll... It's not what we're suggesting. Is that okay? Such an important point. Thank you for asking this question. Thank you so much. Yes, Prabhu. Microphone. Thank you very much, Mataji, for giving a wonderful class. Uh, just a continuation of the same question. Uh, I was just wondering, in trying to fill the heart with Krishna, this endeavor is how much individual and how much collective? How much? Individual and how much collective? How much the individual has to try and how much he has to depend on the association and the group of devotees? It is your individual endeavor that puts you in the group of devotees or not. It is your individual endeavor 
that decides whether you associate with the devotees to criticize them or to serve them. It is your individual endeavor whether you ask for Krishna's mercy. It's your individual endeavor whether you accept Krishna's mercy. We're very dependent on the collective. We're very dependent on Krishna. Without, actually, we're 100% dependent on Krishna's mercy. 100%. When you took bath this morning, you probably didn't go to a river, right? You probably just turned on the tap, correct? So you were 100% dependent on the government. But you have to turn on the tap. If it's only you turning on the tap and there's no government supplying water. But you have to turn on, you have to turn on the tap. Is that okay? I, I have to choose to associate with devotees and to associate with, with them properly. That's, that's my choice then I will get the benefit of the association of devotees. But if I'm thinking, the reason I'm not Krishna conscious is because the community that I'm in is so lousy. It's not my fault. If my husband was more Krishna conscious, I hear this all the time, if my husband was more Krishna conscious, then I could be a devotee. It's his fault. If my parents were more Krishna conscious, then I could be a devotee. It's their fault. If my community were more Krishna conscious, then I could be a devotee. It's their fault. Sometimes people blame their guru. I've heard this also. If only my guru would write to me more often. Something, you know. Ultimately, it's Krishna's fault, right? I guess he doesn't want me to think about him and love him. It's his problem. Not my problem. So the person who most wants us to become Krishna conscious happens to be Krishna. And believe it or not, and we don't believe this, but it's really true that Krishna has put each of us in the absolutely perfect situation for us to become Krishna conscious. Now, we have some responsibility to adjust our situation a little bit. I mean, I should clean my room, for example. I don't say Krishna's sending the dust in the window, so that must be his perfect arrangement. And but bigger in general, Krishna's already, he's already, he wants me to be Krishna conscious. I'm praying every day, Krishna, I want to be Krishna conscious. He's already giving you the perfect situation for that. Now you have to take advantage of it. How to take advantage of it? That you may have to ask Krishna. Go to your teacher. Go to Krishna. Say, my dear Lord, what exactly do you want me to do with this lesson here? What's your learning objective for me? Is that okay? Yes, sir. Hare Krishna. Um, I need a small clarification uh, in connection to uh, we don't need any help from any jiva or jiva cannot do anything for us. Uh, in connection to that, like Kanishta Adhikari to Madhyam Adhikari, when the transition has to take place, uh, one of the important things is recommended uh, to develop friendship with equals. So if that emptiness is there, because Krishna is not there in the heart, and it's coming because the kind of connection uh, I'm able to understand what you're talking about is complete, you know, like filling the heart with Krishna. But it's still... Uh, 
in spite of doing sadhana and uh, trying our best uh, there is emptiness and uh, and then uh, what kind of friendship it is when it is talked about in bhagavatam next it's next but at least you should understand proper godman letter he said if i am having troubles with others that is my lack of krishna consciousness so at least i should understand that when i'm having difficulty in my relationship with others the reason is not them the reason is that i'm not 100% full with krishna that's the reason and in bhagavad gita says that the self-realized soul he has no need to depend on any other living being actually we're not dependent on any other living we're only dependent on krishna krishna is my only shelter that doesn't mean i'm nasty by the way If you give me a new sari, I don't say, "Well, it was really just from Krishna." I also thank you. So when we say we don't need anybody, it's not like, "Well, I don't need anybody." Not not like that. But we're helping each other to connect with Krishna. That's the idea. But no, it's mixed. I'm sorry to tell you. Until prema it's mixed. everything we're doing if you read madhuri kadambini he gives at each stage and i put this into charts at each stage of bhakti how much of our behavior is selfish and how much of our behavior is transcendental you know and in the beginning it's like this much selfish and this much transcendental and at nishta it's like about here prabhas is gradually and proportionately So we recognize it's mixed and I recognize that my relationship even with other devotees that I'm trying to exploit I'm trying to use them to feel my emptiness but just remind yourself that's the problem That's the problem the problem is not this prabhu or this person that's not the problem is me Is that okay I recognize it's mixed okay it's mixed I I can't force it to be complete today there's no shot you can give you okay pure krishna consciousness but that's my problem and therefore my solution is to fill my heart with krishna so i'll hana have friendship with devotees at whatever level i'm functioning what more can i do i can't do any better than that and whatever part of that friendship is is pure that i celebrate whatever part of it is impure i know that in time it will be Jai Shri Shivari Gopal. In time it will be okay. And whenever I have difficulties in my relationship instead of closing my heart, I open my heart to Krishna. I recognize the problem is I open my heart to this jiva as if they were Krishna. Let me take this same tendency of opening my heart and give it directly to the Lord. When I do that, that will heal the problem with this jiva. Like Prabhupada said, if you love Krishna, you'll be able to love your son. Now the other jiva may not be happy with me, but at least I'll be happy and peaceful. Does that answer your question? Are you satisfied? Okay. So now it's 2 minutes after 10, so I should stop. Otherwise, because it's not a Diwali, we don't fast. 
So I want to thank you very much for inviting me to Chaupati. I'm regretting it's such a brief visit and I don't get all of your association. Right? This is the, the temple that is famous all over the world for first-class Vaishnava Sangha. So thank you very, very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.